right? Everybody reach up and touch your head. Remember your baptism, okay? Remember, remember. We're so glad you're here. My name is Jacob Armstrong, uh, one of the pastors here. I wanna greet those who are joining us online here at the 930 service. Uh, we have a big crew of folks we know that are, that are with us and we're so glad that you are here today. I don't know if when you guys uh, were in school, it was a big deal when I was growing up, but if you had something particularly that you had to learn, a lot of information, a lot of information to retain, we would use uh, what was called flashcards. Anybody remember flashcards? All right, so on the flashcard, you could have the information on one side that was sort of like the question or the problem. And on the flip side, if you needed to see it, you could flip it or somebody could drill, you know, they could work with you. It's like a math problem would say, you know, three plus two. And when you're first learning your math problems, you have to kind of go what, like one, two, three, four, five, you have to figure that out. But the purpose of a flashcard is, is that you would see three plus two enough times that just by seeing it, you would think five, right? You've been drilled on it over and over and over. So you don't have to work out the problem anymore because there's so much information that you have to retain. When I was in seminary, I, I studied the Hebrew language, the language that the Old Testament is written in. And the Hebrew language has totally different, uh, you know, letters and it's written, you read Hebrew instead of our normal left to right, you read it from right to left. So it was like a totally new adventure. And so uh, I, Rachel and I, we had these flashcards and she would help me uh, learn that language. I, my memory is that we would do it in the car, but she said that we wouldn't. So uh, that sounds dangerous. So uh, anyways, we would uh, have the flashcards. And after enough times, I mean, over and over and over of seeing the letters and seeing the words, those uh, things that meant nothing to me before would then become something that I would know just in a, a minute. One of my favorite preachers is a guy named Dr. Mark Rutland. I think he's one of the best preachers of our time. And he says that the Old Testament is written with flashcard after flashcard after flashcard. And, and what he means by that is there's all these things that are shown there that if we look at it enough times, it'll show up in another place. And when we see it, we will say, oh, I know what this is. Now, if you're new to the Bible, which I know a lot of folks are, which is great, um, the, the Bible is written with two testaments, the Old and the New. The Old Testament is the first half of the Bible, sometimes called the Hebrew Bible. And in it are all the things, things you've heard of, the story of creation, the story of God's people, the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, we read about the people being uh, captive in slavery in Egypt and then across the Red Sea, all those kind of things, the prophets, the giving of the Ten Commandments, all those things. As those of us who follow Jesus, we see as flashcards, if we look at them enough, that will show up in the Bible, in the New Testament, or even in our own lives. And we will say, oh, I know what that is. I'll give you an example. Uh, when Jesus walked down to the Jordan River for his own baptism, he was walking down to meet his cousin, John the Baptist, who was kind of a known uh, celebrity kind of preacher guy down there at the, at the time. And they knew each other. They were cousins. But when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he did not say, hey, look, there's my cousin. He actually, uh, he didn't say, hey, what's up, Jesus? How's it going? He said a very strange thing. He said to everyone who was around, he said, look, the Lamb of God. I was kind of, well, that's kind of weird. Look, the Lamb of God, he said, who takes away the sins of the world. What happened for John the Baptist is when he saw Jesus in that moment, in that place, it was a flashcard for him. And all the lambs of the Old Testament and all the sacrifices that had taken place in the temple and all the blood that had been shed and all the worship services his grandfather and, and, and parents had, had made him go to, he saw in that moment, he said, he is the Lamb of God. I know what this is. Uh, another one, Jesus uh, one time said, I am the light of the world. Well, if you knew the Old Testament, you'd read it, and you'd been drilled on it, you would immediately think of the very beginning of the story when the whole thing starts with God saying, let there be light. 
God's ability to create light and send light where there had never been light before was the evidence that he was the Lord, the Lord is God, and he brings light. And then we read the story and we see light in the darkness, light in the darkness. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and then he says to us, you are the light of the world, it's a flashcard saying, oh, we are given a lot of power and authority just by that word. Another time, Jesus at the last supper, the Passover, he picked up bread and wine. They'd done this year after year after year. The Passover was this big flashcard session where they were trying to remember that God had released them from slavery, that God had given bread on the ground every day, that the sacrifice of the lambs was like the blood uh, represented in the wine. But Jesus said, I am the bread and I am the wine. And And the light went off for the disciples to say, Jesus is changing the game, a flashcard in that moment. So I'm saying all that to say in the Pentecost, story in Acts chapter two is one of, if not the biggest, I know what this is moments for the people who follow Jesus. The disciples had gathered on a day called Pentecost. So before it was a Christian celebration, it was a Jewish holiday. Pentecost, you hear that penta in there, five, it meant 50 days after the Passover. So 50 days after the Passover started, there was another feast that they called Shavuot. I'm a Hebrew scholar, if you remember, okay? Uh, And Shavuot was this day that they celebrated the harvest of the wheat. Yeah, just a day to celebrate the harvest of the wheat. And they connected all these things in their tradition, like the giving of the law and those kind of things with it. But 50 days after the Passover, Shavuot or Pentecost, they would gather together and celebrate the wheat harvest. They would read from the book of Ruth, which was all about the harvest of the wheat. And they would remember a guy named David, who traditionally in their mind was born on the first day of Shavuot and then died. When he died, it was also on that same day on the feast of Shavuot. So it was a significant day for them. The reason I'm telling you all that is when they gathered in the upper room, nobody was thinking what happened would have happened. They were simply doing sort of like we're doing today, coming to the place that they should have come for a particular religious celebration. Nobody was thinking it was going to be the day that God did this amazing thing. It was just Pentecost for them. And so what happened that day was completely out of the book. It was completely outside of what they would have imagined. They began to hear the sound of a violent wind. It doesn't say that there was a violent wind. It says there was the sound of a violent wind. And then it says fire, tongues of fire begin to come and rest on the head of each person there. A strange sight, fire, but they weren't burned up. A little campfire resting on everyone's head. And it's very specific to say that everyone there got a fire. This was an Oprah Winfrey moment. You get a fire and you get a fire and you get a fire. They all looked around. There was no one excluded that didn't have the fire on top of their head. And then it says all of them, Acts chapter two, verse four says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now in Jerusalem at that time were people from all over the known world because they'd come for Pentecost. They'd come for the Jewish celebration of the wheat harvest. But when this happened, it caused quite a ruckus. Why? Because there was this loud sound of a violent wind coming from an upstairs room where some people who used to follow Jesus were gathered. And when they came and looked, they all had fire on top of their heads, every one of them. And not only that, they were speaking languages out of their mouths that clearly weren't their own language but was actually the languages that the people who had come from all over the world could understand. And they said, they are speaking in my native tongue. 
amazed and perplexed the people who had gathered there. It says, they asked one another, what does this mean? They wondered, what's going on with these folks? And their guess, their hypothesis for what was going on was that they were drunk. And Peter doesn't give, you know, like he doesn't even try to reason that out of them. He just says, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And so in that moment, Peter has to figure out what is going on. And so Peter, there's a loud wind, there's fire, there's tongues. Peter's sitting there and he's, he's trying to focus and he's trying to focus. And it's Peter. He's the significant person in this story. Peter says in his heart, wait a second, I know what this is. Peter saw a flashcard in that moment. He said, wait a second, I've got it. I know what this is. And what he said, he said, guys, he gets everyone's attention. He calms everyone down. He says, guys, this that we're experiencing, he says, this is that. He says, this is actually that. And everybody says, what? And he says, this is that which Joel said would happen. And everyone thinks, Joel? Who's Joel? Why are you talking about Joel? There's fire, there's tongues, there's wind. Joel may be one of the most obscure prophets of the Old Testament. His name is only mentioned one time. And Joel said one time something that Peter remembered. It came into his heart. Peter, uneducated, Peter, a fisherman, Peter, hard on the sleeve, Peter, impulsive, Peter, friend of Jesus. He was the one. He said, I know what this is. This is that. And Peter quotes Joel, like um, not word for word, but really, really close, just sort of like we would if we were trying to remember, right? And he's almost word for word. In Acts chapter two, Peter quotes Joel chapter two. And this is what he said to explain what was going on. Joel said this would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Peter said, this is that. And in that moment, Peter was saying, this is what Jesus said we were supposed to wait for. Peter recognized what God had been doing by seeing a flashcard and he said, guys, this is what Joel said. And then Peter does, guys, something very, very important. Very important for preachers, but very important for people who follow Jesus. And we'll come into moments where the spirit of God is moving around and working around and you're beginning to notice that it's happening. Peter, with this huge crowd of the whole city, does not manipulate the moment He does not try to create some great emotional thing out of this emotional moment that was happening there. He does not try to use the crowd of Jerusalem for his own glory or for his own profit. He simply tells them about Jesus. That's all he does. He doesn't create a sermon. He doesn't doesn't think anything up. He just says, I've got your attention. This is that. And he speaks to them about Jesus. He says, you saw Jesus who was crucified in your city. Everybody knew that it happened. It was only, you know, 50 days before. And then he says, God has raised this Jesus to life. This is the speech, the sermon of Peter on the day of Pentecost. 
God has raised this Jesus to life, the resurrection, and we are all witnesses to it. A bunch of Galilean fishermen, they said, we saw it, we saw him on the cross, and we saw him risen. Not only that, he has been exalted to the right hand of God. We watched the bottom of his shoes as he went up into heaven on the day that he ascended. And he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so Peter is situating the moment, situating the happening, giving specific connection between the crazy thing that was happening to the Jesus who was exalted to the right hand of the Father. And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is what happens, guys. It's outside of what we can do. But the spirit can move in such a way that gets our attention. And when one person recognizes it and then simply proclaims and speaks the name of Jesus, people's hearts get changed. And they wondered, what shall we do? And this is what Peter said to do. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You can go to any Christian church in the world today, Romania, Cameroon, (laughs) India, wherever, and there will be some man or woman saying something like this, repent and be baptized. It is the message of of the preachers of the church. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Pentecost has all, every and everybody all the way through it. And when Peter makes this proclamation, he says, make sure that you know that the promise is for you, it's for your kids, and it's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And when Peter gave that message that day, 3,000 in the city of Jerusalem, people of different skin colors and different languages gave their life to Jesus. And the church of Jesus Christ was birthed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ through one faithful follower of Jesus who said, I know what this is. He recognized it and he said, this is that. A couple of weeks ago, some of you know, we had a group from our church in Israel and we went down to the Jordan River in the traditional spot where Jesus, close to where Jesus and John the Baptist would have been. It's a, it's a very holy place. When we got there, there were about three or four other groups there. There was a group from Africa. There was a group from Asia. Uh, there was a group from India. And there was our rowdy group of Americans. And we come, you know, clamping down there in our T-shirts and our swimsuits to go into the water. And we allowed people to go into the water and remember when they were baptized. Maybe they were baptized like Fowler was when they were a baby or, or some other time. And we went into the water and it was a, a holy moment. We even had some members of our crew who were baptized for the first time. And just one after another, people were coming in. It was just this moment for me. I, I kind of sort of started feeling overwhelmed. There were people getting in the water from our church who the last time I would prayed with them in the States, we'd been praying for them to be healed from cancer. There were people getting in the water who we had prayed some years back that their, that their relationships would be restored. There were people you know, getting into the water. Some, we had women there whose husbands had planned to go on the trip who'd passed away in the years that we'd planned it. And they'd come with their daughter or their daughter-in-law. It was just a power. I got to uh, welcome all three of my, daughter, my daughters into the water. This is uh, Phoebe when she came down in there. And there were people around us from other countries. And there was this one lady who kind of kept standing in front of me from clearly from India. And she had this beautiful white baptismal gown on. It was embroidered. And I kept thinking that maybe I was standing in the spot that she wanted to come to in the Jordan. So I would move out of the way. But finally, I realized that she wanted me to baptize her. 
And so uh, we learned later that these pilgrims from India had come, but their pastor had not been able to come and they wanted a pastor to be able to baptize them. And somehow they recognized that guy as a, as a pastor, right? <laughs> and so this was the first lady. She greeted me and she said, my name is Christina and I'm from India. And then one after another interspersed people from America, people from India, they're just going in the water and going in the water. It was too much to take. I literally stopped it after about an hour at one point and asked my group, I, I said, is this really happening? And they said, yeah. I got back to the bus after it was all over. I just kind of fell into Rachel's arms. I started crying. I was so overwhelmed because I, I was just like, what is, what is going on? And it was on the bus, you know, we're kind of heading out of there that it hit me. It's like, oh, I know what this is. This is that. You see, any time that the Spirit of God is poured out on people who follow Jesus, it's Pentecost for us. A few weeks ago, right here, we had 40, 40, 13 and 14 year olds who live in Mount Juliet or Lebanon or Hermitage who gave their life to the same Jesus that the people on Pentecost did. 40, I started crying again, I couldn't believe it, but I knew in that moment, I was like, I know what this is. This is that. What? The thing Joel said would happen, God's spirit poured out on his people. Some of y'all heard about a revival that was happening in our land over the last several months. I drove up to Asbury University in, in the midst of it. I just wanted to touch God's presence. I know it sounds silly. One of our college students was there and he met me. He said, hey, Pastor Jacob, isn't, isn't the Holy Spirit back in Mount Juliet? And I was like, yes, <laughs> but I wanted to come. And what he knew is what I hadn't fully realized because it was actually when I came back here the next day, the Holy Spirit fell on us, some of you remember, and the altar was filled service after service and we prayed for our children and we prayed for our grandchildren and we prayed for our land and we saw the Spirit here and we said, we know what this is, this is that. A few nights ago, the Barry Tatum Academy graduation happened at the Expo Center in Lebanon. Doesn't sound like a super holy event, but it was. Hundreds of children of this community who are largely forgotten were celebrated and loved on, and this church has invested in them. We put a t-shirt on every graduate from Barry Tatum Academy that said, brave, strong, known, and loved. That's the identity that we give to our children, our children who are over in the hallways there. But the Spirit of God isn't just for our children. It's for all, all who are far off. And I was at the Expo Center in Lebanon, just walking around eating Oreo cake balls that you guys had provided, and I thought, I know what this is. This is that in my time, in our land, in this place, the Holy Spirit of God being poured out on us. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is not dependent on a preacher. The church of Jesus Christ is not dependent on some guy who made a C in Hebrew in seminary, right? The church of Jesus Christ is not dependent on a beautiful building. It's not dependent on a beautiful place up on top of a hill. The church of Jesus Christ doesn't need a clever slogan. The church of Jesus Christ doesn't need all of our programs to make it happen. The church of Jesus Christ does not exclude based on skin color or income level or if you think you have a spotless record or not. The church of Jesus Christ was given by God God through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a day called Pentecost and all it took was one follower of Jesus to say, I know what this is. This is that. This is what Joel said would happen in the last days. God says, I will pour out my Holy Spirit 
on all who are gathered. And so here's the deal, guys. The Spirit will fall, the Spirit will work, and the Spirit will empower. That's not our job. We don't have to do any of that. You know what, we, what, we, what we're supposed to do? Recognize it. Recognize and have the courage to say, I know what this is in our time and say, this is that. And then what we do is we share about Jesus simply, clearly, purely, powerfully. We don't have to do the work. The Holy Spirit does the work in the heart. And so I don't know what you're expecting like for this season of your life, but the Holy Spirit shows up when we least expect it and everybody gets a fire. Everybody, you do, and you do, and you do. The Holy Spirit comes and, and, and impresses upon our hearts and does that work. And we just say, yes, yes, yes to Jesus.